The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Danny Cannell. I'm Chip Patterson. Coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and all across the 24-7 Sports Facebook network. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash that like. Come and join us in the chat. Getting interactive here on a Thursday where, yes, we are pulling questions from the five-star mail bag, that big old bag of mail, where if you leave us a five-star review and put your question in the review, we will tackle it in a future mailbag episode. And as always, those of you who are hanging out with us live, we appreciate you. We'll be taking some questions as well. Uh, some interesting conversation coming up a little bit later on. We'll be diving into the Big 12. We'll be looking at, you know, would you rather have an elite defensive line or a shutdown secondary if you are a first-year defensive coordinator? How would you build your defense? Uh, and... Should college football rules be the same as the NFL? Is there a good argument one way or the other? We'll dive into all that. But let's start with uh, a early bird question because we got one from Jerry B. He came in early, 9.41 a.m. He said, in what order would you rank an undefeated Big 12, ACC, and Pac-12 champion for playoff purposes? Now, the way I'm interpreting this question is that you know, I guess we could assume who it would be, but you know, you are twelve and zero coming from each of these conferences. How would you stack them up against each other? Ooh. I mean, if we're just going by conference strength, I would probably go Big Twelve, 
than either. I don't know. ACC or Pac-12 are pretty similar to me, honestly. Like it, it depends what the team is and what the resume is. It's, it's really hard to just judge off of that. But I think from top to bottom, the average Big 12 team is better than the average Pac-12 and average ACC team. Nah, that's you bringing 2022 mindset to 2023. No, it's new, new, new additions are dragging the Big 12 down. No, see, that's the thing. I don't. I think the new additions in the Big 12 are pretty on par with the bottom tier of the ACC and the Pac-12. I would go Pac-12-1, ACC-2, Big 12-3, I think. I would have said that. Well, that's, that's only because I think it's so dependent on the individual teams. Like if Florida State beats LSU, right. beats Florida, beats Clemson twice, you know, beats Miami, like – all of a sudden, that could be the most impressive undefeated from that team. But if it's USC and they run the table, and let's say those those teams that are bringing like Washington, Oregon, uh, let's say Oregon State is good. Like let's say all of a sudden some of those teams are really good in the Pac-12. Their resume might be the best. So it's so dependent on which team it is. I think. Also, I, Big Twelve doesn't have round robin schedule anymore, so you do have the like. You know, you can get a good draw versus a bad draw in a way that you couldn't get before. I I think if you based it on like the top four teams in each conference, the Pac-12 was probably first. But the thing is about the Pac-12 last year, like they had the teams that were ranked and then there was like a Pacific Ocean sized gap between those teams and the rest of the league. Like the bottom of that league was really bad for the most part. I don't think you get that in the Big 12. I think you have a couple teams like that in the ACC, but I don't think it's it's closer from that point up than it is to the bottom. So I, I don't know. This is weird. Like if it's if the question is an undefeated Clemson, an undefeated Texas, an undefeated USC, I don't know. It's gonna Texas. Depend. Yeah, probably, probably. Texas based on their Alabama. schedule. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Notre Dame game for Clemson is going to be at home. Uh, as a win at Alabama, I think it's going to clock out better. Also, Notre Dame might be eight and four. Yeah, that's true. I mean, what's their I, win total? Right, eight and a half, nine, nine and a half. Alabama might be eight and four. You know, Dynasty yeah. Island, Danny <laughs> Canal. <laughs> he said it here first. Um, thank you so much. We will continue to uh, to grab uh, questions from the chat all throughout the show. Uh, thank you to Jerry for jumping on in more than an hour before the show uh, to go ahead and contribute to that. A little bit of news since the last time we gathered together for a live show uh, is uh, probably one of the the messiest uh, relationship breakup makeups that we have seen in recent conference realignment history. It's not going to get the you know the big headlines necessarily, but San Diego State, for those who, who are just catching up on this, they initially sent a letter that said, "This is not our intention to leave, but this is our letter letting you know." that we might be sending you a letter with an intention to leave. We just need a 30-day deadline on the intention to leave. Mountain West said, absolutely not. And then now the Mountain West is going to withhold $6.6 million from San Diego State because of these shenanigans. San Diego State came back and said, no, no, we're going to stay in the Mountain West. What? What, what's, what's the big takeaway here with the uh, Mountain West-San Diego State relationship right now? San Diego State sleeping on the couch. I mean, this is, <laughs> yeah. they're staying together for the kids right now, but <laughs> San Diego State's being punished for its dalliances. I mean, they, uh, it's, 
It's so weird. It's dysfunctional. It's college football in a nutshell. I mean, they want to go to the Pac-12. I think the Pac-12 would probably ideally like to take them. But as we see in all these buyout situations, you know, they're trying to get the cheapest exit fee possible. And I think it's really awkward. I think Tom put it perfectly. Like It's like an awkward marriage that's on the rocks that everyone knows probably isn't going to make it. And so you are kicked to the curb. Like you're on the couch. Tom's 100% right. Oh, I've, I've got this uh, very similar. I'm going relationship. First of all, first uh, takeaway is the Pac-12 like might owe San Diego State $6.6 million. Y'all, y'all, y'all got to get this right, okay? Mm-hmm. Because if the Pac-12 had its media rights deal sewn up by now, then San Diego State might have been able to actually get out and feel confident and sell this thing and be able to make its move without having to deal with the awkwardness or the financial penalties. It seems to me like um, the side piece who is, you know, finding out like, oh, listen, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a lever. I'm a lever for you. I promise. I promise. And then they go, show up to the airport and the ticket's not there. The Pac-12 did not leave the ticket for San Diego State. Now San Diego State had to go back home to San Diego, to the Mountain West and be like, oh, I, I wasn't actually going to leave you. Come on, take me back. All because the Pac-12 didn't have its money together to be able to leave the ticket at the airport. I mean, it's... This is something that the Pac-12 has got to get right with San Diego State in the future. So it's not quite as bad as Tiger Woods booking a vacation for his and girlfriend San- and then not San- there's San- no San- vacation. You're just The locks are changed. It's not quite that bad. No, no, no. It's not quite that bad. Because you know San why Diego it's not State like driving to any medians or fire hydrants? <laughs> the reason why it's not that bad is because no one actually has as much power or leverage like this. We're operating from a San Diego State Pac-12 Mountain West. We're operating with uh, not the same leverage that Tiger Woods has over, uh, over his uh, girlfriends. All right, let's go back to... You know what's crazy, though? On the whole Pac-12 fund, I mean, it's still... In flux, we have no, like, there's still no certainty. I mean, it still feels like there's a chance Colorado, Utah, Arizona State, Arizona State could be to the Big 12. Like, there's still these massive unknowns that are out there. It's kind of wild that we're still not getting answers. There was the other, there was a new report yesterday, like, it might still be another month before the Pac-12 has its TV deal. And it's like every month it gets pushed another month. Well, we're, we're expecting it next month. We're expecting it next month. Like, I've been tweeting the... I don't know. Did you guys ever have to read Waiting for Godot? Yeah. Okay. So I, I took the Waiting for Godot poster and I just replaced Godot with a Pac-12 TV deal and I keep tweeting it every time there's an update. But I mean, that's what it's like. We're all sitting there waiting for the Pac-12 TV deal that's never going to come. Is it? Is it going to be like a mostly streaming package where they're just farming out yes. a couple of games to linear television? Reading between the lines from what the the little updates that you get here and there, I do think that's what's going to be the case. Like there might be a ESPN game late night on Saturday, maybe on a Friday or Thursday. But for the most part, I think probably three fourths of the league's games are going to be on a streaming service. And what happens to the Pac-12 network? <laughs> no one watches. It exist. I don't know. <laughs> Again, is it still on? Yes, I'm the old. How in the I, world? I have it. I have it. I've yeah. got eight Pac-12 networks. Yeah. Okay? I only have one. I've got Pac-12 network, Pac-12 network Bay Area, Pac-12 network Pacific Northwest, <laughs> Pac-12 network Arizona. I've, I've got so, Pac-12 network Mountain. Got so many Pac-12 networks, and people in the Pac-12 footprint don't have the Pac-12 network. 
Chip's out here watching Washington State volleyball. <laughs> He's really into the Cougs this year. Listen, I, I there are times where somebody gets frustrated because a Pac-12 network game is getting preempted by something like that. Luckily, I've got eight Pac-12 networks. Find those. Um, all right, let's go to – oh, I like this beach wine guy, uh, San Diego Status Ross from Friends. We were on a break. Yeah, trying to make an excuse from that. Uh, never watched Friends. Never. Mm-mm. I'm not going to make an argument for it. It was a you know cultural you know zeitgeist type thing. People are talking about it. Uh, here we go. What are or this question is from Micah? What are your favorite college football books or resources that offer historical perspectives on the game or in-depth analysis of the schematics? Generally, trying to grow my knowledge of the game. Uh, I've got a couple AFCA coaching books that are helpful for learning some things. Although the way That's the game changes, yeah, and also the way the game changes, like a lot of the stuff in those books are more like an encyclopedia of stuff that people used to do. So it's it's really not the case of what's mostly updated now. But yeah, like coaching books like that, I think are helpful if you're trying to learn, like he says here, the uh, the in-depth analysis of its schematics. That's a good way to do it. If you just want historical perspective, like there's a lot of good books out there about the history of the game. I don't I mean there's uh, what's the one about Mike by Michael Rosenberg? I think it's the 10 year war about the Michigan, Ohio State rivalry. That's a good one. There's plenty of them. Season of Saturdays. Season of Saturdays. Uh, one of my favorite college football books of all time still remains Bruce Feldman's Meat Market. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, honestly, that covers just... so many different bases, too. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Uh, yeah. The QB. QB's Bruce. Good. good. Yeah. I actually, you know what? Whatever. I'll just give him a plug here. Just, just read Bruce's books. Yeah. Bruce has a lot of good books. They're <laughs> worth reading. That's probably a good, good place uh-huh. to start. He's got he's got good in depth analysis on, on all that stuff. Our, our friend Bill Connolly, a frequent guest on the uh, on the Cover Three podcast, he's written a couple books as well. So uh, I would definitely turn your attention to any of those fine options. Your guys' bookcases are getting. Uh, if you guys want the fire escape plan here for the the hotel <laughs> I'm in, I can re- I can reference that. That is schematic. I do have books at home. Dang it. John, John Feinstein's The uh, Civil War, the Army-Navy book. That's pretty Ooh, good, too, A History of the Army-Navy Rivalry. Hey, he's, he is the preeminent uh, Army-Navy uh, expert, mm-hmm. that's for sure. Coming up on the other side, the question has been posed and will be answered. If you were a newly hired defensive coordinator to Power 5 program, and you had to choose, do you want the elite defensive line or the shutdown secondary? We'll get into that and more next Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. 
Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's Lifetime Membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast, this comes from the big old bag of mail, where you can go and leave us a five-star review. And in that review, put your mailbag question. This comes from BVB Ruse. Hey, guys. Obligatory huge fan of the show. This question pertains to a philosophical debate on how to construct a defense that is often talked about in NFL circles. So, if you were a defensive coordinator newly hired at a Power 5 program, would you rather have an elite defensive line or a shutdown secondary to start your very first season? In today's game, is it more important to generate pressure or force the quarterback to make the right decision every time? Thanks, y'all. As always, go Cox, Spurs up. I Easy. This... Go, yeah, go. Uh, defensive line, because they'll make an average secondary that much better. Yeah. I think it's easy. I mean, look at the Philadelphia Eagles last year. Would they have 85 sacks on the season? Their secondary looked awesome because you only have to cover for two, two and a half seconds. You know, I mean, it's pretty simple. It, it doesn't matter how good of a corner you are. You could be Deion Sanders, but if you have to cover the guy for four to five seconds, eventually they're just going to get get loose. So yep. I think it's an easy question. I think it's always the defensive line. Yeah, there has. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say in run defense too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, yeah. yeah there's, I didn't think about that. Yep. There's been like a lot of debate lately about would you like this this question? Is it better to have the secondary or the defensive line? I still think it's a defensive line because while I understand the thought process behind the secondary, let's look at the team that's won the national title the last two years. Where's Georgia's defense been the strongest? In its secondary or on its defensive line? Because like Kirby's entire defensive philosophy, the way that they are is it's not so much about getting pressure on the quarterback, which is still very important in forcing the ball out, but it is stopping the run. And Kirby's philosophy is we're trying to stop the run with as few people as possible. So if you have a very good defensive line and you could do it just by having four guys and maybe a linebacker that, you know, like a Roquan Smith who flows to the ball after they plug all the gaps that allows you to leave six guys in coverage in case of an RPO where it's, you know, they hand off and they're passing. So I think still, no matter what, while it's great to have awesome players at all positions, I would much rather have the elite defensive line that can do anything I ask of it than a secondary. The question mentioned something about the NFL circles. It, there is a situation too, where I don't know. And, and I would actually like y'all's opinion on this. I don't know how many college football programs say that they have a truly elite full starting secondary. Very few. Like the, the, the number of like our both corners and both safeties, all of our, our whole starting secondary are, are dudes. It just seems so rare that you would be able to, to field that. I, I, I don't know if that's like a physical skill trait type thing, 
But that that seems like a, a longer ask uh, in general when I'm trying to put this into practice right now and imagine the way that it's going to play out as this defensive coordinator. I mean, I, I think it comes down to like just kind of the simple truth that it is damn near impossible to play defensive back in football today because of the way the rules are and what you are and aren't allowed to do. Like, you know, at least in the defensive line, like the offensive lineman can't hold you, but you could kind of grab him and do whatever the hell you want with him. The defensive back can't do that. Like he's got to shadow and mirror the receiver who knows exactly where they're going at all times, whereas the defensive back has to react. So you're automatically on your back foot because of that to start. So, yeah, no, it's it's really hard to find an elite secondary all over because it's really hard to find elite defensive backs. Um, William in the chat makes a point. You'll see this in high school. A team will have D1 DBs but can't stop anyone because they're yeah. up front. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, this next question comes from Quagmire. He asks, this is the best podcast I listen to. I love how much effort you guys put in. (laughs) I love how much effort you guys put into this and hope this keeps up for a long time. With me being a diehard OU fan, I have a question. Of all the current Big 12 teams, who do you think will win a national championship next? Parentheses, this includes OU and UT, when they go to the SEC, thoughts on that? Keep up the good work. Hmm. I still think it's OU or UT, even after they've left for the SEC. And I would probably at this point go with UT because just because I feel like they've got a better sense of direction right now, is where I think Brent Venables and that staff are still trying to implement their stuff. At least I think I know where Texas knows where it wants to go and is trying to get there. But I just we know that being in the SEC is probably going to provide not an easier path on the schedule, but as far as selection as an at-large into the playoff, it's probably going to get you a benefit of the doubt more times than not. And I think that if you just look at, you know, Bud's not here, but if you look at the blue chip ratio and what we have seen from what you need to do to recruit to win national titles, Texas and Oklahoma are the only two Big 12 teams currently recruiting at that level. So maybe TCU or or SMU, maybe TCU or these other schools level up in the next few years, but right now they're not there, whereas Texas and Oklahoma already are. So I would have to go with one of those two, and I'd slightly lean Texas right now. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, Oklahoma, Texas, if you get three teams in, which is probably what I think they'll get in from the Mm -hmm. the 12-team expanded playoff, and you know, if you're going to take one of those two, I think you'd probably lean Texas. Quarterback looks like it's stacked up really well, yeah. and we've seen them play a little bit better. I know Jackson Arnold's supposed to be really good, but we haven't seen him play yet. Recruiting rankings been a little bit stronger for Texas. Now, if you had an Oklahoma fan, would say, well, they've always had it, you know, and they haven't been able to come to fruition yet, which is totally valid. Um, but I'd lean slightly towards Texas, but not by a lot. But I think it's clear. I think it's pretty easy that it's Oklahoma, Texas. And no consideration for anyone who's left in the Big 12 of the future. I just, this comes back to the thing I've been harping on all along. Like, you're going to have to win three games. The question but, is national championship, too, right? Mm-hmm. National championship. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have to win three games at a minimum. We saw TCU is the perfect example because we saw them win one and it was a good win. And then we saw like what, and I don't think they get blown out every time like that, but Georgia, but you saw what would you know what can happen and you know if they play them 10 times do they win one or two yeah right but that's probably about it right but i think they i think they lose by 20 plus more often than they win right was it 14-7 late first quarter tcu with the ball and you kind of had like an inkling 
and then maybe it was like a turnover or turnover on downs. I like there, some of these national championship games with lopsided final scores. You can go back and find that moment when you were the sitting avalanche. and you were like, "Wait, is it? Are they going to be able to like get back in this thing?" Oh no, 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 mm-hmm. they're not. When it spun out of control, uh, very, very quickly. Uh, we again, we appreciate everybody in the live audience. Let's head on back to some of our live chat questions. Uh, this next one comes from Joel. Joel H. Cooper says, which teams will surprise in September and fade in October, November? Who will start slow and finish strong? Then who will start slow and finish strong but contend for a conference title? Florida and Kansas State. I guess he means Florida State surprise, bad finish. Kansas State, slow start, good finish come to mind from 2022? It's hard to say really without the schedules in front of you, but um, so like he's asking for like a Kansas or an Illinois. Yeah, Kansas jumps out to five and zero, oh, hits nineteen in the country. Then all of a sudden, it gets really tough to get that sixth win to make mm-hmm. the bowl season for the first time since two thousand eight. Yeah, Illinois started seven one, finished eight and five. So it's I don't know. Tar, um, tar holes start nine and one, finish nine and five. You know, we talked about him a little bit. I think that the way their schedule sets up. Minnesota is a team, especially with a new quarterback that could get off to a very slow start, but maybe kind of find its way as the year goes along and starts pulling off some wins. So I would say Minnesota could be that kind of slow start, strong finish team. But as far as like, like Louisville is a team to me that could start really hot and then suffer an injury or two and completely crumble down the stretch. Yeah, we're all calling for a nine and three Louisville team, but they got like, 30 some odd newcomers on that mm-hmm. team, 25 transfers. If a couple Jamari Thrash goes down with an injury, Jack Plummer gets hurt, all of a sudden things start to to pile up on them. The beginning of the schedule is really easy. Um, I, I I definitely think I could rock with that. I'm trying to find what about Colorado? Option. No, they're gonna slow start. start. Slow. They're gonna I think they're That's one and five to start. That's a slow that start, the, a strong finish. I mean, because that's where I'm get like I am painting a picture. My most optimistic Colorado season is that Deion Sanders actually instills some resiliency and some resolve in that locker room. They start slow and then they get a couple because there are winnable games on the back end of that schedule. And then you're able to go into the offseason being like, yeah, we were four and eight, but look at the way we were playing at the end of the season. We won, you know, three of our you know, half of our back half of the season games. We beat this team, this team, and this team. And now we're going to go out and we're going to, you know, go get more players. Like the the way that that Colorado season is set up is going to be the perfect test for the Deion Sanders experiment because it is going to be on him to truly be able to keep that locker room together through what's going to be a brutal start to the schedule. Dustin Black has a good candidate in the comments. Like Michigan if you look at its first nine games, will probably be nine and zero and winning by an average of seventeen points per game. But then their last three games are at Penn State, at Maryland, Ohio State. Now I think Michigan's probably a little too good to really kind of be the team that you know blows it up down the end. But that is a very tough finish compared to what they start with. You know who was this team last year? Start strong, limp in was North Carolina. And I was mm-hmm. looking at North Carolina's schedule this year to see. I mean, I could see them beating South Carolina. Beating Minnesota at home, maybe beating Pitt, getting through Syracuse. 
maybe even get to the back end of their schedule, but they go on the road, Clemson, NC State to finish the year. You could see them maybe finish limping in again like they did last year. Um, I was trying to think of candidates. A lot of it does. I remember Mississippi State used to always be that team from the end. And this one, remember they got up to one? I mean, didn't they start the first uh, college football playoff? Weren't they the you know the number one team? And they were like six or seven and oh, and they really hadn't played anybody out of conference, had played the weaker teams in the SEC, and they were sitting there, and then they would just collapse on the back end. It is, there's always a couple teams that start like that. Ole Miss got up to top 10 in the country with a, a little bit of a hot start. Um, and like for the record, like if a, a true analysis, I said that I was painting the most optimistic scenario for Colorado. A, a cold blooded analysis, my opinion on the buffs, is that they are severely underserved along the lines of scrimmage, and that's mm-hmm. problematic in the game of football. But you know. here's another one if you want it mm-hmm. Texas AM's first five games. Mm. New Mexico at Miami. If they win that one, that's kind of like, you know, ooh, look, oh, look, here they come. Bobby Petrino's galloping. There <laughs> yep. come the Aggies. Yep. Then it's UL Monroe at home versus Auburn on the road versus Arkansas. So that's a team. If they get off to 5-0 and start, you know they're going to be in the top 10 of both the polls Easily. setting up for that home game against Alabama on October 7th where they lose by 24. And then <laughs> they go on the road to Tennessee and they lose by 14. And then, yeah, so. Texas A&M. Uh, that's a great one. Mm-hmm. That's a good call. Isn't that like a Texas A&M rite of passage too? It's usually, you know? Yeah. Yeah. September's like, what was the old, what was that website it was called? Someone. No, it was someone. Or whatever. It would be like, it would like September, this, the roller coaster goes up and then October is the very top and it just falls straight off. Yeah. That was, that was the Kevin Sumlin special right there. Cause again, Jimbo Fisher is just inflation era. Kevin Sumlin. You're just paying more for the exact same results. <laughs> Uh, we have a that was a good one in the chat. Uh, Andrew Syracuse, they could start out Ooh. rough. I mean, they, so not Colgate Westminster. They go at Purdue. Army could be a tricky game. Clemson at North Carolina at Florida State, and then they go on the road to Virginia Tech. They maybe they win that one and kind of get things back on track. And then you could be like, oh, it wasn't. But you know, I could see after a rough start, it's like, oh, is Dino on the hot seat? You know, like one of those conversations. But I could see them not being as bad as people maybe think they, they were are. sneaky limp to the finish last yeah. year they had a ton of injury issues like they, there's context that needs to be applied but yeah. they were six and oh right when they played clemson mm-hmm. yeah so they uh they got off to a, a little bit of a hot start there we have we have mentioned army twice on the show now and i've gotten it brought up to me many times i haven't talked about it on the show but I, I, I will address it we do know armies no longer has fullbacks right army is changing its offense this year yes Jeff Monken is going to be running yeah. out of the shotgun. We will still mm-hmm. have option principles. It's going to be more Coastal Carolina. Coastal. Yeah. But I just want, because I've had a lot of listeners ask me for my thoughts about it with the Service Academy Unders principle and all that stuff. And it's like, I'm still trying to stay in denial about the fact that <laughs> we are going to be losing another option offense and that it's just going to be Navy and Air Force left. So we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Until then, I'm just pretending it's not happening. You're just going to ignore it? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's all maybe it's all just a fake. Maybe Army's going to show up in that very first game. And they're just going to be running out of the running out of the triple option like always. We'll see. Fingers crossed. What's have we uh, have we had a without a quarterback change? Have we had a college football program recently just throw out its offense and revert back <laughs> to something else in the middle of the season? I've seen it with the quarterback change, right? Where you just you yeah. somebody gets mm-hmm. hurt, you bring in a new quarterback. We're going to run an entirely new offense. Mm-hmm. But I can't. I can't think of. <laughs> We've seen 
We've seen firings mid. You know, I was Boise, Boise State last year comes to mind. They fired their OC and then brought in. They brought in Dirk Cutter, right? Wasn't that who they brought yeah, in? Yeah. Kind of, but they. I don't think they revamped everything. That was a pretty drastic shift. We haven't seen just an offense thrown out. Just totally like all of a sudden, Jeff Monken doesn't like what he sees. Right, again, eaten alive on the inside. It's like we're going back to the bread and butter, baby. Is what we're doing. Then all of a sudden, we see him back under center, and the unders keep cashing again. Coming up on the other side, a lot of talk about uh, you know the the game rules, especially because remember, clock rules change this year in college football. So. Is there a good argument for or against having all of the college football game rules be exactly the same as the NFL? We'll get into that and more next. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. I really like if that, they say patience is a virtue, which it would make me wait a little longer. Call this question up. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we're trying to take a break here, folks. Oh, we're trying to take a break here. All Five right. seconds. What is this, like a YouTube ad? Skip ads. <laughs> this question comes from the big old bag of mail. It's from a user, Albert's Life Coach. And Albert's Life Coach asks, question for the mailbag. Is there a good argument for or against having the college football game rules be exactly the same as NFL? Since college football is essentially a feeder league for the NFL, wouldn't it be just like minor league baseball rules being the same as major league baseball rules? Wouldn't the game be better with ties? I don't know. Um, I don't understand that last part. Let's forget. Let's throw out that last part. I, I was I like say, I love college overtime. Don't get, don't get rid of that. I can't stand the NFL overtime. I think they should ad- adopt college football overtime. Mm-hmm. But some sort so of. Reason. We are going to have clock rules where the clock is going to run after a first down. And mm-hmm. it's going to happen this season and it's going to make games a little bit shorter and it's going to change some of the approach in the last two minutes of each half, the clock will stop after first downs. So you've still got, you know, the, the crunch time situation is still going to be there. The hash marks come to mind for me as well as another you know thing that probably falls into the folder of the rules. And so I don't know what, is there a good argument for or against? I like that he said either one way or the other. Is there a strong argument for aligning the rules of NFL and college? I think there's a stronger argument against it than there is for it. I do too. Like if if your goal is to have players quote unquote adjust to the NFL quicker, then that's your argument for it. But other than that, I don't really understand what the argument for it is. And also, last I checked, 
they don't really have that much difficulty adjusting to the NFL rules because they're all pretty much the same. These are like tel- these are like television rules. Let's be honest. It's it's not really game rules. Um, I don't know. I I I want to keep the sports as different as possible. I don't want it to be a minor league NFL. I mean, look at college basketball and the NBA. College basketball doesn't play by the same rules the NBA does. That hasn't affected, you know, it doesn't keep basketball players from learning how to play in the NBA. So, no, I don't think there's any need for it. I wouldn't be opposed. I wouldn't. I'm not as opposed to it as you guys are. Um, I think the NFL, it is a faster game. It's easier to watch, like you said, for TV. I mean, they have it pretty dialed down to the three-hour and 15-minute time window. I also feel like it just moves faster. But you also have guys who have unlimited time to work and prepare, and then they're not as confused. Mm-hmm. And you know, sometimes you need a little extra time in between plays and to slow things down a little bit for guys that are you only have twenty hours a week uh, to kind of prep. So it doesn't like it's not something I wouldn't be that upset if they kind of adopted more NFL rules. I still think the talent on the field is enough disparity between college and the NFL, but I don't. Like, I don't hate it the way it is. There are a couple of rules I wish the NFL would adopt from college. One is instead of two feet, just one foot for a catch. Mm. Although the NFL receivers are so damn good at it. That it almost <laughs> doesn't everything. Yeah. But the other is I don't like the one thing I do like about college compared to the NFL just that I always have is you don't have to touch a guy down. If you fall down, plays over. Yeah. 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 You shouldn't be able to get back up and keep running. If somebody, also, yeah. yeah. College football, uh, college football pass interference. Over NFL pass interference. Oh, for sure. Like that's well, get so, rid of pass interference altogether. Uh, yeah, no blood, no pass interference, of course. But it, so I am of the mindset that some of the college football rules allow regular dudes and regular teams to still be competitive. Mm-hmm. And that if you change the rules to make it more like NFL, that is even going to be yet another separation of the haves and the have nots and the talent Great discrepancy. Point. That like if you bring in the hash marks then the schools that don't have the height, weight, and speed and are able to scheme guys open, they're not going to be able to do that anymore. And if we introduce the pass interference at the spot of the penalty, then all these bad DBs that are trying to keep up with NFL wide receivers are going to end up having game-changing plays. And college football has 133 teams. There's a lot of regular, great there's a lot of regular college football players that I have a great time watching on Saturdays. And I think that the competition would create even more separation if we go to NFL rules. I think that's a great point. Cause it's fun, right? We're just trying to have fun around here. Let's go. Uh, let's go to question from the live chat from Kyle. Kyle Wallace asks, who are your all-time favorite sicko teams to watch? 2022 Iowa was an all-timer. <laughs> who else should be included? I mean San Diego State in a year. Yes. Like there was there for years. I know, Danny, I don't know if you were part of this, but Chip and I were definitely San Diego State unders auto fire at the end of the night, no matter what was happening that day, because you knew it was going to be ugly and rocky and very much Iowa-ish, like to kind of go along with what the kind of thing Kyle's talking about. So, yeah, San Diego State games. Uh, 
I love option offenses. So, I mean, like any service academy game for me has always been great, going back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago. How do you define like, Mark? Mark had a good question, uh, or Fox did. How do you define a sicko team? I a sicko team is not something that I'm going to be able to sell. Um, like, yeah, you can't take this team to a casual and say, "Enjoy the beauty of yeah, college yeah, yeah, football." Yeah. I'm, I'm not. I'm not putting this on the deck to take it to the investors meeting. I'm not going to be able to use this to sell college football. Uh, but this is just the. This is it's it's the you want to see a dead body kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that yeah, it's San Diego State certainly comes to mind pretty much any year. All time favorite sicko teams. I mean, there were the Chucky Keaton Utah State teams. Mm. UConn and UMass are fun sometimes. <sighs> Sometimes. Say, so, yeah, all right. So Nebraska is not a sicko team. That's just that that is watching a train crash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, watching the blown leads and the losses and the one score games, especially when they started to pile it up. Oh, there we go. Thank you, Parker. TCU Cal Cheese at Bowl. Yep. It's like 13 sicko combined, game of all time. Yeah, yeah, 13 combined interceptions. It's like seven to six final score. Um, the three-two Mississippi State Auburn game. Yeah, what's Virginia the one? The take Beamer? Wake was that? Yeah, zero was zero Beamer. zero. <laughs> <laughs> Those are sicko Hall of Fame games. Yeah. I enjoyed. You know, it's a sicko game. I think it counts. I enjoyed last year's Oregon State Florida game. I thought that was a sicko <laughs> game because that was just go for the field goal. Yes, the sad field goal at the end just sealed it as a sicko game because that's what everybody was watching for. It was like, will Florida score points? What are they going to do? That was an actual news writing assignment for me on that day. Yeah. Hey, Chip, we got a potential breaking news story for you. Oh, yeah? What is it? If Florida doesn't score a point here, (laughs) the NCAA record is coming down, and we're going to need to talk about it. Gross. Sue has a good one. I, I'll, I'll get a little more specific, though. Northwestern in the red zone. <laughs> That's a great sicko team to watch. Um, yeah, that, again, that some I, I would say something that you would never use to try to sell college football to somebody who hasn't watched it before, but if you've been in it for a long time, you can find mm-hmm. appreciation for it. Um, Danny, I know you wanted it. Uh, last week. Do you have your list of strength coaches? Still, <laughs> that's right. I had. Let's see. I had some notes on this one too. Uh, uh you had to go up there. Was the TCU strength coach? Oh, Kaz. Coach Cass. Yeah, yeah. Just for his uh, the amount of references he got getting you uh, TCU to the uh to the Final Four and getting them to the championship game. I gotta pull up my list. I do sure. think it's the most important position outside of coordinators, especially when you think about the growth that takes place from being a freshman to a you know sophomore. Those yeah. first two years, you can add so much. You've never really been in a you know very serious you know uh, weight program, strength program, nutrition program. And that's usually that guy's job, like all encompassing. And don't they also spend like more arguably time more time? Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. With yeah, the players, so get way the more time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, D'Antonio Burnett at NC State, right here in my backyard. Like 
that guy has taken tight ends and turned them into NFL offensive linemen. I mean, he is just, he is built up. The player development at Dave Doran's program has been thanks in part to what they are doing in, in getting people right along the lines of scrimmage. And that's a big part of what they do. Yeah, I would say if there's any aspect of this sport that has like taken huge strides in the last decade, like the stuff that we think about, I would say the strength programs at every single one of these schools, like overall, like I think strength coaches across the country are just a lot better and more understanding of what it takes to, you know, not just make a guy strong, but to make them able to play football and to help keep them healthy while doing it. I think there's major strides in that aspect in recent years. Totally agree. Um, both college and NFL, like mm-hmm. both of them. I remember there was a strength coach when I got my rookie year in the NFL, and our our strength coach was a super nice guy at Florida State, but he was just kind of your traditional, you know, strength coach. It wasn't You're just doing push ups. How much you maxing, boy? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it was. I mean, it was not very innovative, and I loved him. Like he was awesome, but I also was kind of lazy, and I didn't want to work that hard, so it kind of <laughs> worked out pretty well. But when I went to the NFL, this guy was big on Olympic lifts. And I was getting so frustrated because we're doing like snatches and cleans and all these like overhead. And I'm like, why do I and I'm doing them next to an offensive lineman or a defensive tackle and we're doing the same things. And I'm like, what is happening right here? And now (laughs) I think the specialization of, you know, by position, by body type, I mean, they study or, you know, they'll take blood tests. They'll do so much more to try to maximize your you know, your body and your body type mm-hmm. that it's, it's really been revolutionized over the last 15 years. Yeah. For a long time, it was mostly like strength coaches were just like bodybuilding and weightlifting. It's like, yeah, we're going to make you look huge. Yeah. Motivators. Yeah. Now it's like, well, actually, you know, flexibility is more important than overall, you know, so it's, yeah. Wasn't um, Nebraska on the forefront of like the strength program? And that's you mean steroids? Yeah. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Are you referencing Johnny B. Good? Are you referencing the movie with Anthony Michael Hall when he goes to Nebraska and they walk through there and there's all the guys that are like taking IVs and injections and it's like a lab? <laughs> that was a great no, somebody, movie, by the way. Somebody was making a point that the first run in like the 70s had, came at a time where like the strength program was just push-ups and pull-ups at a lot of places. <laughs> Yep. And then Nebraska was like, hey, here are paint cans. Like, you know, like we're gonna be <laughs> we're gonna be putting on some real muscle. We're just gonna mash you boys. And then like that's kind of uh where things took off. I could be very wrong, but I heard it referenced recently and uh yeah, it was the paint cans at Nebraska. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that was the difference. <laughs> um just strength strength coaches are huge, and you know, it's uh it continues to evolve uh, all the way through. Um you know, I I don't know if you guys have uh, have checked the calendar recently, but uh, there's there's something that's uh, something that's count them up. Something that's coming. <laughs> count them up. Something's coming. Oh, that's right. We got win totals coming up, baby. Monday, July 10th. We are going to be back. Win totals season starts. That means we are going through all the Power Five conferences. We are going to be breaking down the win total for every single school. Then, at the very end of the series, right before the season starts, our win total locks episode. So, come join us. Come hang out. We're starting with the Pac-12 on Monday to ask the question everybody's asking. How many kids are going to win this fall? 
and you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernell. You can follow him at Danny Cannell. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. See ya. Set foot outside of the hotel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan.